welcome to the fifth episode of the Lincoln's Podcast Tax and Stuff. My name is Kim Arnold and I am a manager here at Lincoln's and I also have my colleague here, Caitlin, who is an accountant here. March is has International Women's Day as a part of its month, so we thought why not make the podcast today episode today all about International Women's Day. And in celebration of this, we have our very special guest, MG. MG is a business and mindset coach and owner of the successful Be Think Do Coaching. She works with women to think and play big with unstoppable mindset and strategy. She is also the voice of the Conversations with the Real MG podcast, inspiring entrepreneurs to expand their business through their way of thinking, and the author of Amazon's number one best-selling book, Uncertain to Unstoppable, a guide to rewriting the bullshit stories you tell yourself and start living your best possible life. So, welcome NG. Thank you so much for having me here today. <laughs> no worries at all. So congratulations on two things, your recent feature in Beam magazine and your success on your book, Uncertain to Unstoppable. Thank you. Well done. Yes, very exciting last few months. It's been huge. Awesome. Mm. I mean, that's incredible. Number one on Amazon, like, Yes. You've got to be happy with that. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. It was all in the, in the plan. There was strategy behind that, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but not all plans go to plan, so the fact that it did was a big win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so Em, I was fortunate to meet you at the ACCI Women's Leadership Forum, held earlier this month on International Women's Day. Mm. It was such an inspiring and motivational event where I met amazing people and listened to their empowering stories. Mm. The theme for this year was Break the Bias, Mm -hmm. especially in gender equality, stereotypes, culture, and discrimination. So something I know you work on with your clients is how the bias starts within your brain. In particular, our unconscious bias where we make judgments without noticing. So can you explain to us how we make our unconscious bias conscious and make ourselves aware of it? It's a, quite a big question, but I was prepared. <laughs> As you know, I'm, I don't always, like I don't have notes in front of me. I kind of just allow myself to speak on um, what comes up. But I did read this question and I thought the first thing that needs to be clear for a lot of people is what unconscious actually means. Because I think that there's a lot of people that might assume unconscious is, you know, when you get knocked unconscious or when you're passed out and it's not really an understanding of what your unconscious bias even is. Unconscious means it's something that we're not aware of yet, but we can become aware of it. And I think that's really what your question is, is how do we become more aware of those things? That's right. Yeah. And and so some people will also call this your subconscious. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking unconscious, subconscious, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just the dialogue that we have, all the beliefs and attitudes that we have that we may not be aware of until we start to bring some awareness to it, which is no easy task to become more aware of it because it can, we can come up with a lot of challenges in the process of, of bringing our awareness to it. But basically, the most important step is to just start noticing your thoughts because we're all having thoughts all the time. We have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day most of them we're not aware of. They're thoughts that are just happening in the background all the time. And for a lot of those thoughts, like 90%, 90 to 95% of them are like a repeat of the day before. 
And if you can just notice in a moment what you're thinking, you're becoming aware of it. Just in that moment, asking yourself, what am I thinking right now? Say you're in a meeting with someone and you know, you're, you're trying to analyze the meeting. Instead, take a moment to just take a breath and go, hold on, what am I thinking? You know, what judgments am I making or what assumptions am, am I making right now? Mm-hmm. Because that will be impacting how I'm actually showing up in this space. Sure. And like I said, it's challenging because it's not something we're taught to do. We're not taught to become aware of it, but it can really help us to recognize any negative patterns that we might have showing up in our role at work or in our relationships, because we all have a part to play in terms of responsibility for each of those things. Like we all have responsibility in our job. We all have responsibility in a relationship. And until we can become more conscious of those unconscious patterns we can't make any change so it's really the first key to mindset is understanding that and like you say becoming more aware and our decision making process as Mm. well yeah absolutely and a lot of people live in indecision and struggle to make decisions so the more you can become aware of what thoughts you're having and bring them to a more conscious level the better you can make decisions sure so in the afternoon session at the Women in Leadership Forum, um, you were one of the speakers on the panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first question that was asked was, who has had a tremendous impact on you as a leader? And your answer was Janine Crossan. Crossan, yeah. Crossan, sorry. Uh, a New Zealand entrepreneur. So how has Janine impacted you as a leader and what did you learn from your experience? So I think what was interesting on reflection after that, uh, after the Women's Leadership Forum was that I don't think Janine would even remember who I am (laughs) because I was just a part-time worker at one of her businesses, you know, and to further on from what I'd even said, because people might be listening to this that were at the forum, um, I think that's a really important reminder as a leader that you have no idea the ripple effect of the impact you're having and some 19-year-old could be it could completely change the trajectory of their life without you even realizing it. So that kind of just shows how important it is um, to really show up as a leader and lead by example. But what I shared at the forum was that she, she taught me about, without directly teaching me, it was me just watching what she did. She taught me that it was so important to be yourself and that you could still be successful while being yourself. So she was a very early pioneer in New Zealand of the online world uh, as a very young woman. And the online world at that point was all, you know, um, older men um, and or younger men, but generally not young women. She wasn't taken seriously because she didn't have a university degree, but she still kept going and never gave up. And despite what other people, you know, whether people didn't take her seriously or not, she still continued to show up and try things and make mistakes and learn from them. So, so much that I learned from her. And I was thinking I should probably reach out to her and be like, by the way, I should be like, who are you? (laughs) Isn't that incredible? I know, like I speak about some people and even call them my mentor without even thinking about it and then go, I wonder if I reached out to them if they'd remember who I was. Like, mm. but they had such an impact on me going through my like professional career. Yeah, and yet here I am now, like, hmm. but yeah, and I feel like with online platforms now, it is easier to reach out and keep those connections 
that you know only five ten years ago would have been impossible yes Yes. yeah and that's because i've been able to google her name i have actually found her on linkedin so yes maybe i'll reach out and send her this podcast (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) because initially i remember from your talk you were afraid to reach out to her initially to ask for a job with her ah yeah i was yes yeah because i hadn't had experience or any um qualification in what she was looking for but because I had followed her online magazine that she created like an online blog magazine before it was even a thing way before Mamma Mia and yeah I reached out to her and and she gave me a chance because I guess she met me and saw something in me and so the fact she had that belief in me was huge as well yeah Mm. that's great so furthermore to that what, in your opinion, is the biggest challenge for the next generation of female leaders? So I think probably the biggest challenge is the way in which technology and innovation is changing so quickly, but our processes and policies are slowing us down. Right. So while technology and innovation is going 125 miles an hour, We have a billion and one policies and processes that stop us from making changes to integrate that technology. So for example, I was a teacher in the past and I see it in education because, and especially in government organisations, there's a lot of uh, processes that things have to go through in order for curriculum to change, for example. Um, and it would be the same for, for any workplace that has a lot of policies and procedures. Now, I understand we've got to have policies and procedures, right? There's a purpose for them. But if the purpose for them ends up stopping growth from happening, stopping a company or an organisation from growing and from moving forward with technology and innovation as fast as it's going, then the purpose is pointless. Uh, so I think... For female leaders, the reason this is an issue for female leaders and for leaders in general Mm -hmm. is because processes and policies are a very masculine way of doing things. And masculine doesn't necessarily mean male or female. It's just, it's the way of the world. We have structure, we have policies, we have rules. And that's a very, like I said, it's not male, female. It's just a masculine energy. Whereas what we can bring into it is more of a feminine energy. Again, not female or male. It's just a feminine energy. Um, this goes back to like yin-yang Chinese energy kind of thing, but it's everywhere in our world and society today where we allow space for flow, for open possibilities, for maybe we can try this, maybe we can try that and see what happens rather than no, this is the only way we do it. And that's a challenge for future leaders because that's just not the way things are happening right now. But unfortunately, it is going to need to happen because otherwise things will just get further and further along in terms of technological advancements and organisations will get further and further behind because they're too busy trying to follow a policy in order to get to that end point. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It <laughs> okay. It's one of those things, that it's even something that... I've actually seen here as well and the the partners actually attest to that that you know it, there was like a period where they were like no these things can't change and then it was like oh wait these things have to change yeah and you know people do take some time to get to that point mm. and that's what you're saying like it can create that delay effect where something's come up and you know it could be a year before you can get to it but 
you know, I can see like within this business and other businesses that we work with, the mindset starting to change, but it's a slow process. Yes. Um, so it will be really interesting to see how that works. And also with the younger generation coming mm. up through the ranks and mm. things like that, just in general. Yeah, I think businesses are just going to just change so much. Um, and I also find it more in regional areas, like the city's probably a few years ahead of us and things like yeah. that. Yes. Um, and yet we're, even though, you know, Lincoln's is here in Albany, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you work with people that aren't in Albany because of the ability now to work online. That's right, yeah. So Lincoln's now has to keep up with the city and beyond because Perth might be two years ahead of Albany, but then New York is 10 years ahead of Perth. Yep. Yes. So, you know, there's that to compete with yep. as well. Uh, and so that's a big challenge. But like you say, young leaders coming through, future leaders who are more on the ball with that kind of stuff, are hopefully going to be able to step up and say, hey, these are the changes we need before it's too late. Yeah. Well, that actually leads very well into the next question. Um, so what is it that today's leaders could do better in terms of leadership, especially within a business? Yeah, I kind of feel like we almost touched on that. Yeah. But I, I did have something else that I wanted to add to that. And it kind of also links into what I said about um, Janine in that making mistakes and learning from them and then just keeping on going is, I think, is a really important attribute of leaders going into the future based on, you know, the huge changes that are happening in technology and, and innovation because we're moving into a world where things are changing so quickly, we, we have to actually make mistakes mm. along the way. And that's okay. Like it, you, you are going to make mistakes along the way and learn from them and that's how you grow. Right. I'm sure there's a quote. I'm going to butcher it because I'm totally not remembering it right. Maybe it's, if you, aren't, if you aren't failing, you're not trying hard enough. There you go. That's what it was. If you aren't failing, you're not trying hard enough. And I believe that to be true because it's why there's a whole chapter in my my book about failure. Uh, If you are failing, it means that you're having a go. And then when you fail, you choose to learn from it and keep going. And that creates momentum Mm -hmm. rather than avoiding taking action just in case you fail and then not creating momentum or getting stuck. So that in terms of, you know, that the changes that are happening so quickly in our world can help people and organizations and leaders to keep up with that because they're allowing themselves, they're giving themselves permission to fail and fail forward. Yeah. Mm. I think that's something like I've done some leadership training in that over the last couple of years and that's something I learned from about myself is that I don't like making mistakes. Mm-hmm. I really struggle with it. And it's not only about allowing myself to be okay with making mistakes, but actually taking ownership of it. Yes. And that's been a massive learning curve for me. And it was also a bit of a slap in the face when I first found out because as soon as I was told that was one of my issues, it was like an unconscious bias thing. As soon as someone told it to me, I was like, well, that's true, but I don't want to admit that. Yes. And so yeah. it's been a massive learning curve. And yeah, it's... um, yeah. And you'll be a better leader for it, for having that realisation. But every no one likes to fail. Like, even though... I will on purpose, well not on purpose fail, but I make massive goals knowing that I might likely fail. I still don't feel comfortable with it, (laughs) but that's where growth happens is where we're uncomfortable. So 
Mm. I don't, yeah, every human, every human feels icky about the idea of failure, but that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Another thing as well that you touched on in in your book is that fear is your friend. Yes. Yes. So for the listeners that haven't read your book as such, would you like to explain that a bit better? How fear is your friend. Yeah. Well, we basically go throughout our entire lives trying to avoid feeling fear-based emotions which is what comes with failure sometimes. Uh, but if we can actually embrace the feelings of fear, we can, we can use it as fuel. So for example, excitement and nervousness, they have the same energetic frequency. So you know how when you feel excited, you know, your heart might be racing and you know, your breath is a little bit faster. It's the same as when you feel nervous. So the only difference between those is what you're thinking. And so you can actually transform your fear into a positive emotion of some description. Like sometimes fear can motivate people. You know, if someone goes to the doctor and they say, if you don't do this, you're going to die. Well, they're probably shit scared, but they're going to go and do something about it, right? Yeah. So it actually motivates you. So fear can be your friend. There's, there's the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, which... I think I've I mentioned in my book that I actually haven't read. I've got the book Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, but I've never read it because I'm just like, I, I get it. I read the title and I know exactly what it's telling me to do. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's what Fear is Your Friend is about. Gosh, I can't remember specifically what I wrote in that chapter now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's turn to your best-selling book, mm-hmm. Unset Into Unstoppable. Uh, which encourages us to look at our underlying issues and apply the tools to discover the power of our mindset. So your personal story at the beginning of the book was so raw and compelling. At what stage in your life did you discover the importance of mindset and how does it impact you today? It's a really good question because it wasn't when I expected to discover it. Okay. There's probably been a few key moments, but... It was when I I had my first business was a personal training business and I thought that I needed to learn about mindset to help my clients because they were coming to me and really struggling with things emotionally. They were coming to me wanting a physical transformation. I realized they didn't really want a physical transformation. They wanted to feel better in themselves. And so I went looking for answers for them. I've always found it easier and I think a lot of women can relate to this in particular is that we we want to be everything to everyone and help everyone else before we help ourselves and I was still in that way of thinking so I went looking for answers and I found found neuro-linguistic programming as a mindset tool and so NLP for short and then I went and studied this with the idea in mind that it would be helping my clients and it totally changed my own life Mm -hmm. and realized well actually I needed this for me first and foremost and also super important as a leader you got to practice what you preach right so I'm not going to go and spread all these mindset tools amongst people when I haven't even practiced it myself so I think that was probably the moment but there was certainly earlier on moments uh, in my own mental health journey when I was in my early 20s and started recognizing that sleeping pills and alcohol were not the ideal response to my sleeping issues uh, and decided to start meditating and I started I was meditating for an hour a day 
Like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, an hour, how, I mean, I didn't have kids at that point. <laughs> so an hour a day, I had these CDs that I ordered from the US. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't have a like CD player. I plugged it into. I put the CD into my laptop. Okay. And put my earphones into my laptop. So um, yeah, it was pre Bluetooth and uh, iTunes. <laughs> Did you find it hard initially to get into meditation? Do you know what? That time of my life was such a blur that I don't even. I don't even know how, whether I found it hard. I think I found it helpful because I stuck to it for quite a while. Right. And I did have time, so like I was living on my own in a rural town, mm-hmm. no kids. I mean, I was teaching, and that was a big responsibility. But yeah, I don't think I I found it that hard to start with. Okay. Which I know is not normal. <laughs> do you meditate anymore in any capacity? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. I meditate on a regular basis, but not very often for that long. Yeah. Right. And it's not something that I do every day. I think a lot of people assume because you know. I do a lot of work with mindset that I must mind that I must journal and meditate every day and I don't because if I did all of my tools every single day I wouldn't do anything else <laughs> so because I have a lot of tools like and and I can't possibly use them every day because I'd just spend 18 hours of the day doing breath work journaling meditation all the things yeah so I just know now when I need it yeah. So if I have had a really rough day or a difficult conversation, then I go, okay, which of my tools do I need? And meditation might be one of them. Yep. Mm. Cool. Um, you actually just touched on journaling. Yeah. It's it's not something that I have done before. You didn't do Dear Diary when you were a teenager? <laughs> no. I've literally, really? You know, it was one of those things, <laughs> and I hope some people listening um, can relate to this. I reckon I was one of those people who probably once a year or over two years bought this thing and I was like, I'm going to start writing my thoughts down. And I probably have 10 of them empty in some boxes in my house. And I've <laughs> literally just never gotten into it. And yet I have 10,000 full. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there is a level of that. Like, you know, right. some people just naturally do it and other yes. people need to, you know. Mm. But I guess, yeah. Everyone's a bit different on that. But for you, what are some benefits that you find from writing your thoughts down? Oh my gosh, so many. Hence why I have so many. I have them all over my house. I have them in my handbag just because if I need it at any point. I have had anxiety for a lot of my life and I still experience anxiety on a very regular basis. Uh, So it helps me to get my thoughts when they're going and you can't see on my hands from the microphone but I'm kind of like playing a tennis match you get that tennis match in your head where you're thinking this thought then that thought back and that you kind of have an argument with yourself in your head when I was a kid I thought I was crazy I thought that if you're talking to yourself you're crazy but we all have these these conversations in our head where we might be beating ourselves up or we're replaying a conversation and just to stop and take the time to write down what's happening in your head it does a few things the first thing you cannot write as fast as you think so you have to slow your thoughts down and that in itself is a game changer because if you're like me and your thoughts are going a million miles an hour it means if you can slow your thoughts down for just a few minutes oh it's like heaven (laughs) (laughs) Uh, even if when you go to put your pen down and you're like I don't know what to write if you just write I don't know what to write all of a sudden your pen's flowing 
and then it just it just keeps going. Well, that rhymed. <laughs> and sometimes things like that come out and you, and then you'll start writing and all of a sudden it just all starts fl- flooding out. I think a lot of people have expectations of what journaling should, and I put that in inverted commas, should look like, um, but it doesn't need to look like, it can just look like whatever works for you. So for me, it's like a brain dump. I just go, I need to get all this chaos in my head out and then it's almost like I can leave it. It's done. And I saw it's solved. Uh, or a lot of people like to do gratitude. Like if you're stuck on what should I write, you know, just once a day, write one thing that you're grateful for. There's another quote. I'm just going to be quoting people. Um, by Leo Babuta, I think it is. Babauta. I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong. Is keep it so simple that you can't say no. So if it's literally just writing one word a day and you want to start journaling, like just write one thing, maybe it's in the morning, like I want to feel happy today. So you write the word happy. And that's so simple, like it's not going, I've got to sit down and write down all of my thoughts of the day, which is 60,000 of them. (laughs) It's one word. You've made it so easy that you can't say no. Yeah, the benefits are huge. There is actually a TED Talk And basically it's a woman who has gone into jails in the US and taught them journaling because as we know there's a lot of disadvantaged people in jails that's the vast majority of them Mm. and and then they often go out to reoffend because they haven't actually dealt with what's been happening for them and the research that that she's done has found that most of the people that went through her program didn't reoffend in the same time frame because they felt like they had an opportunity to share their story, to voice their feelings, to basically start healing from the excessive trauma that that had. Mm-hmm. And that was literally from just having a space to journal. Wow. So it's very, very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, well, mm. well if you send that through, we'll definitely add that into the show notes because mm. that would be an interesting video to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely. Is, I, I, I know what you were saying before about like, what journaling looks like and I think something that has kind of confused me is good old TikTok yeah <laughs> you watch TikTok and there's people journaling and they're like just drawing all these beautiful pictures and mm, yes you know and I'm just that's like, not me my what? journal is like <laughs> scribble yeah. you would not be able to read it if you tried and I don't I never read it back yeah like I, it's just and if sometimes I feel like I want to write something angry I'm basically stabbing the piece of paper like this poor journal is <laughs> <laughs> copying it but it's better than my husband copying it right yes. true yes true. absolutely I'm sure he would say the same yeah exactly <laughs> so a journal would be a good starting point for someone yeah just to get their thoughts out on a bit of paper yes and write it down yeah and just do it without judgement you know we often write something down and then we judge ourselves and we're like oh that was stupid I can't why am I thinking that you know so then if you do want to take up journaling just notice your own internal dialogue as you're doing it because like I said there's no right or wrong way to do it it's it's just an opportunity to start processing thoughts and emotions this is a good idea to look back at what you've written well, not necessarily. Well, there's no right or wrong, so... Not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, the individual yeah, yeah. I have looked back, so I have been through moments of dark times in my life, and so I've actually liked to look back sometimes at those to see how far I've come. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to, either, because it can also... I've done a lot of work on myself, and 
it can also kind of bring feelings up again sometimes. There is another quote. Oh, I'm just going to throw all the quotes in here. No story, no problem. Like if you read a story over and over again and you keep reliving it, it can make things worse. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a, a problem in your life, maybe at work or with a client or something, and you know how you, you maybe go to work and you say the problem over and over again to all these different people? People go, oh, how's that thing going? And you share it again and you share it again and you share mm -hmm. it again. And then it just winds you up again and again and again can be the same if you reread your journal too much. Sure. Mm. Because, but just again, have that awareness. Is this winding me up or is it making me feel better? If it's making me feel better, awesome. If it's mm. winding me up, can it? Cut it out. Yep. Yeah, mm. sure. I know that we touched on this earlier in the episode, but what, what we learned from your book is that the most powerful part of your mind is the unconscious mind. That's where our beliefs, attitudes, stories, and social conditioning comes from. Mm -hmm. So... Our unconscious mind holds the key to change through the process of framing and rewiring. So what are some of the steps that, that we can apply to rewiring our thoughts from negative to positive outcomes? Cool. So I've got a four-step process that I outlined uh, in my book. And the first one we, we did talk about, which was just awareness. So just being aware of, of your thoughts and the dialogue that is going through your head uh, and and it, journaling can actually go with that really well so sure. you can start by just writing out some of the thoughts that you're having so that's the first step and then the second step is to start challenging it so challenging looks like you're questioning so if someone's challenging you they're probably asking you questions and I'm not saying you want to challenge yourself you know and get aggressive but it's more like just ask yourself curious questions like where is that thought coming from or I wonder if I can look at this differently what would it look like if I looked at this from a different perspective so it's just asking questions to help change that internal dialogue so awareness challenge and then change so choose something to change it to for example if it was I'll give an exercise example. I've given lots of work examples. Exercise is equally as important if you want to do well in your work anyway. Gives you good energy. I could harp on about that forever. Uh, <laughs> say you wake up in the morning and it comes to your awareness that you're whinging about the bad weather in your head. Like, oh, I really want to go out for a walk this morning, but it's raining. Challenge it. Okay, well, what if I could look at this from a different perspective? change it to I'm just going to put on my rain jacket and then when I get back I'm going to have a nice warm shower so you've changed it so that's awareness challenge change and the final step is repeat and that's actually the most important one because right. so many people go I'm going to be positive today and then as soon as they have a negative thought they're like oh, failed <laughs> damn it it's over right <laughs> but it's the same with like going on a healthy diet we go oh I failed I give up it's over but it's not over until you say it's over and so repeat 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 if you think about the 60 to 80,000 thoughts you have a day you're gonna have to repeat that process many 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 times yes. <laughs> in order for it to stick and that's why mindset work can be so challenging but I also think it's part of the issue with a lot of personal development is that people will say just think positively just do this but it's not just like let's be honest it's hard work mm. uh, but it's worth it it's worth it it's, it's putting it into action mm. which is the biggest thing yes yeah. yep nothing changes if nothing changes oh another quote <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's what I love about your book too. So at the end of each chapter, we've got an activity yes. as such to implement, yep. um, which is very useful. Yes, because you know it's all very good and well to read a book and be inspired, but without taking some action from that book, it was pretty much a waste of time. Yes. So, <laughs> and I think I say that right at the beginning, you know, of the book as well. It's like, don't just read this book from beginning to end, because you can, you can read it from beginning to end within like two and a half hours. It's very easy to read, but you know, the activities are where the change will happen. Sure. Cool. So for anyone out there that's interested in reading your book, mm -hmm. where can we find a copy? So the best place to get it is Amazon because they print on demand, which is amazing. If anyone wants to self-publish, it's phenomenal. But amazon.com.au, especially if you're in Australia or New Zealand, because if you do it from amazon.com, you charge they charge an absolute fortune for shipping. So just top tip there. Okay. Yep. Well, we might also link that in the show notes then. Yeah, that might yeah. be a good idea. Yep. yep. Perfect. Cool. So, two-part question. What is the most rewarding part of what you do now as a business and mindset coach? So, the most rewarding part, I would say now, is seeing the ripple effect of the people that I coach and how that impacts further than me, if that makes sense. So. In the past, I was just working with individuals, and I, I want to take away the word just, actually. It wasn't just working with individuals, but when I work with an individual who is working on their own personal mindset, the impact is on them and their family, which is amazing. But as I'm working with businesses, I can see how every single person that that or organization that that business works with is also having a positive impact. So for example, I have had a client just this last week launch an app which is I'm totally gonna to give it a plug I'm giving it a plug it's called the clear biz app because people in your audience would be totally interested in it um, it's a it's an app for for small businesses who want to set up their a whole lot of things let's just go check it out clear biz, <laughs> clear biz app um, and she's been approached by a university in Florida wow. to be to have some kind of collaboration and just some of the doors that it started to open for her creating this and seeing that that then goes worldwide you know she's a entrepreneur in Esperance who now is going to have her app being seen in Florida and working with her means that I'm able to now help all of the people that download that app so anyone who downloads that app I've been a part of that process and that's hugely rewarding for me to be able to see that so every time my clients get a win or their clients get a win or their clients of their clients get a win I feel like I'm winning yeah. there's lots of wins that's great <laughs> yeah, that's awesome and that's the just incredible thing about today's technology is that you know people mm. from Florida know what's going on in Esperance WA <laughs> I know and I would have no idea where it is no absolutely not thank you Admittedly, I had to look up where the university was. She sent me the name of the university. I was like, cool, just going to Google that. Yeah. I was like, oh, Florida. I was like, okay, so business trip to Florida then, off we go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess in terms of your mindset coaching, is there like a key takeaway that you can give to individuals? Buy my book. <laughs> you are, fair enough. I would actually encourage people to choose what their own key takeaway from this is because I think we often just look up to people and say you tell me 
what I should do and what I should think. And actually, we're all quite capable of doing it ourselves. So maybe take a moment as you're listening to this to go, what would be my biggest key takeaway? Because you might take away a lot from this, uh, which is awesome. But also, if you've taken away too much from this, you might not implement anything. So maybe decide on one thing that is of value to you, which might be buying my book. <laughs> hey, I love marketing, so I'm just <laughs> plugging away here. Uh, and, and go and do that one thing, whatever it may be. Great advice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, so where can people find more information about you? So I am a social media crazy person. I love social media. So probably the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. So my Instagram is at bethinkdocoaching. Uh, and otherwise, people can go and find my website, www.bethinkdocoaching.com. It's probably the best place places sure. to connect. But I do, I love having conversations on social media. So even if people want to send me a direct message and share what they got out of this episode today or ask any questions I'm my highest value is connection so I'm more than happy to have a chat and DMs fantastic Hmm. and yeah we will link all of that in the show notes yeah lots of links easy for people to find (laughs) but yes look thank you so much for your time today it's been incredible and it's just yeah gotta say congratulations on your successes because you know from the article to the book to your podcast like yeah, you have achieved a lot. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, and there's more to come. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> so that's it for today's episode. I know that we normally do a mini subject as well, but with today's interview going a little bit longer than normal and just being such a wonderful subject and interview, we thought we'd leave it with just that. Uh, So thank you very much for listening and just a few reminders before we end today's episode. So we're coming up to the end of March, which means the end of our next BAS period. If you lodge by paper, it'll be due by the 28th of April. Otherwise, if you're lodging it electronically, you get the extra four weeks, so the 28th of May. But please make sure you lodge and pay your super for your employees by the 28th of April for that March quarter. Otherwise, that's it from us. Thank you and we will see you in two months time.